Hello, good day, greetings, salud. My name is Seth Hirschkorn, and you are listening to the CMYK Talks podcast. It is so great to be with you today. Um, where to start? All right, here's what I'm going to start with. I didn't, know, I didn't think I was going to start with this, but I'm going to start with this. So I taught at the gathering um, this last weekend, and I want to preface all of this with the fact that this episode of the CMYK Talks podcast has the potential to come across as very hopeless. But I think it comes across as very hopeless because I'm going to be doing a lot of question asking and not a lot of answer giving. And that can be tough sometimes when we ask a lot of questions, don't give a lot of answers, and how we wrestle with that, etc., etc. So, with that in mind, I'm going to start. I'm going to now. I'm not going to start now. I'm going to go to this idea. So, around the CMYK community, we have this this phrase that we use, and this phrase is "Everyone is welcome at the table." Everyone. Everyone has a place and a voice and a, and, and a, and a purpose and, and, and a space to exist and be regardless of who you are or where you're at or even what you believe. Everyone is welcome at the table. And <laughs> as I've been gearing up for this talk, I've realized that that statement can be quite difficult for us to actually engage that for everyone to be welcome at the table means that we create a hodgepodge of people and ideas and beliefs and experiences that all gather together um, into one table. And it has the potential to cause a lot of conflict and frustration and difficulty. And I only say that because of my own experience of trying to have everyone at the table. And so I'll, I'll get into that um, here in one moment with my experience. So we are in week five of this series called Roots, Branches, and Fruit, or how, why Christianity got to be where it is today. Uh, by no means is this an exhaustive study of Christianity, because there's no way we can do that in five weeks. That's pretty... Um, it, that's a, it's just not possible. There's a long history here. So what Matt has done is Matt has taken some time for himself to examine this story of the New Testament and watching the Old Testament turn to the New Testament, how the narrative works there and how we see this thing called the church getting to where it is at. And so we're on week five now. In week five, I am supposed to talk about this idea of everyone being welcome at the table or how they put it in the scripture is this. This is Acts 2, 42, Acts verses 2, oh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and just distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And here's the kicker. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, we have this historical account of the early church 
in this book called Acts. That's a part of the Bible. And we see that day by day, the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved. So they grew. They multiplied in number. They added to their fold, and they added to the people who believed what they believed. This is very interesting for me. Uh, because I come from the church world. I used to work as a pastor at a church. Um, some of you might be listening and be like, but aren't you doing what a pastor does right now? Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, I could just consider myself a, a humble teacher, but uh, you're, you're probably right. So um, a lot of churches look at this Acts 2, 42 to 47 chunk and go, well, this is the mark of a growing and healthy church, and this is what it looks like for a church to grow. Things like they have everything in common which is a very interesting phrase when we start talking about everyone being welcome at the table. They give all their possessions. Um, their possessions are distributed evenly and to those who had need. And so so they grow. And there's this chunk of scripture that, the ch- that a lot of churches use to talk about how the church is supposed to grow. And they use this last chunk of it to say, people need to be saved and that's how we grow. Which... If that is a church's agenda, that is not at all anything I'm against. If, if a church feels like that's where they need to be to be growing and successful as a church, um, I think that's great for them. But what's interesting is there is this movement that is created that stirs up um, in the Middle East at the time and starts to spread outside of it across the Mediterranean and other areas, north, south, east, and west, and this movement starts adding people to their number. Now, um, it'd be really easy for me just to talk about growth and why growth happens and how growth happens, but thankfully, Matt did all that work for me already. If you go back and listen to the first four podcasts before this one, Matt takes this look at these outcomes, these this fruit of the early church, um, and he talked about four very specific ideas. He talked about week one, this idea of death and resurrection. And he talks about how there's this narrative of people and God, and God is not happy with people all the time, and so people have to do things to pacify God and be okay with God. And this includes things like different sacrifices and different acts of worship that would then pacify God. And so then we see in the New Testament, there's this death and resurrection, and the way the story goes... What it means then is that people and God are good. That there was this bloodshed that happened, this atonement, to use that word, this sacrifice that, hey, you and God, you're good now. We can, we can now move this sacrifice, bloodshed, weird stuff off the table because it's like that is taken care of, that's good. And then we've got this second thing that Matt talks about. Where Jesus is leaving, and he turns to his followers, and he hands them the Spirit. He breathes on them, and he empowers them to go do as he has done. To go forth and be the same movement that he has been in the world. A movement of sacrifice and love and generosity and goodness, um, body broken and spilled out for the sufferings of the world. To go do the same thing. He looks at the men and women who are following him and says, go do this, this is the good stuff. So there's this empowerment that it's not just this one guy at the head of something, he actually hands it off to a bunch of people and says, go and do what I have done. There's empowerment for people to then follow this movement. And there's this third thing. The third thing is there's no needy people among them. 
that for some reason they distribute their goods and they, they take care of people in whatever ways need to be taken care of, but no one had need. There were no needy people among them. So it's a movement of generosity and help. And there's people probably flocking to this movement, not only because, well, probably because they need help, some of them, uh, but others because I think, you know, for me, I think generosity is a really beautiful thing. And so there's people who are compelled by that. So we've got three things so far. We've got death and resurrection, empowerment of, with the spirit. And then we've got this no needy people among them. There's this like really generous movement. And then there's this fourth thing that Matt talked about last week, where there's this challenging of the status quo that... Because of the movement of Christianity and its its profound impact on some of the people at the time, there's this power shift that the status quo is being challenged and the powerless all of a sudden have a voice and have power. And so when you mix these four things together, it would completely make sense to me that this mo- movement grows and there are people number added to their number every single day. And so a real quick side note is there's a part of me that wonders if what it means to be saved is to be actively engaged in the movement rather than just having a belief system. Maybe something we can wrestle with at a different time. Maybe I'm way off, but it seems that those the 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 four things laid out seem to be a lot more about action than belief. And maybe action and belief are tied together. Maybe this is a much bigger conversation than I'm capable of having in a, in a small podcast talk. But as I look at these things that Matt examined, it seems to me that this is a, a an, an action movement, that there are active things to engage in uh, when it comes to this movement. And maybe, just maybe, what it means to be saved is to be someone who's active, part, actively participating in the movement rather than just having some inside beliefs. But either way, <clears throat> we see that there are people being added every single day to the movement. And we pull this phrase out of it that we use in a place like CMYK that goes, everybody's welcome at the table. And I don't know about you, but maybe in the spaces and places that you whether it's, you know, attend a church community or you work or you uh, have family functions, it's really hard to have everyone at the table believe the same thing. I mean, look at politics, for example, even within both the Democratic or Republican Party, we have these fracturization, is that even a word? We have these fractures of belief within those parties where you can have a liberal conservative or a conservative liberal. And and you have these things that even within a movement like a political party, not everyone at the table believes the same thing. We've recently had another high school shooting in the United States of America, another one. And we have this conversation every single time about firearms. And I'm not here to take a side, but one side says, hey, it's our freedom and it's our right. And we need to defend ourselves and guns are good and they're a part of our culture. And so they cannot, they should not and cannot be taken away from us. And the other side looks at them and says, uh, people are dying. People are have access to illegal weapons. There's no need for certain kinds of weapons. We should have better restrictions and ban some. And it's really hard to sit both of those groups down at a table and come to an agreement on something. And this, I think, I think that alone points to this conundrum that I see of, is everyone actually welcome at the table? That I think this is where it becomes the most difficult in my own heart and mind that, that I use this phrase just as much as anyone else at the CMYK community 
that everyone's welcome at the table, but we have we actually taken the time to think through the implications of that and what that might look like? Because it becomes very messy very, very quickly. Now for the personal side of things. So um, without trying in any way, shape, or form to belittle my family, I'm going to talk very candidly about them um, because I'm, I think I'm hurt and I'm frustrated, but I need you guys to know as the listener that I still love them very much. It's just my circumstances feel weird. And I know I'm not alone in this, and that's kind of the beauty of talking about something like this. So um, I come from a family um, where the last decade of my life, I'm 28 now, 29 now, sorry, 29 now, and the last decade, 11 years of my life since I moved out has been one where my family repeatedly reaches out to me to be someone to uh, help them in their times of crisis. They are, um, so I grew up in a very poor socioeconomic home. Uh, circumstantially, my dad couldn't work because of some pretty severe work injuries and then back surgeries. My mom was in a position where she had to take care of him. We grew up with a very low socioeconomic status, um, and my family still exists in that status today. So I um, help as much as I can until I'm 18, and then I move up and move out and try and become an adult on my own. And I find myself in this pattern, this rhythm of being called on with consistency to put out the fires in my family's lives. And these fires include everything from financial struggles to all-out what feels like warfare fights in the household um, to some instances of drug abuse at times um, to uh, emotionally unstable situations um, that I'm definitely not qualified to handle. And so for the last 10 years, I'm the guy that gets called. And I feel like I'm this Band-Aid that keeps getting put on the wound and ripped off and put back on and ripped off. And it culminated this week with one of the more difficult situations I've ever been in with my family that over a four-day span, um, there was just things like uh, uh, drug use and cops being called and um, arrests were made and I'm being called on to fix all of their problems. And, and it's, uh, it's, like I said, I love my family, but it's very hard and tiresome. And, and there's a place I get to where when I think about this conversation of everyone's welcome at the table, I have to sit back and ask the question, do I actually want my family at the table? Because I love them. And I care about them. And here's the weird part. I run a risk of them hearing this podcast. And I don't know what they're going to think of that. And, and, but, but that's part of being honest, I think. Um, and part of being honest is really difficult and messy. And there's been very honest times where I've considered that if my family was no longer in my life, my life would be better off. And that's really hard to say. Because it seems just very disgusting and selfish. And, and on the flip side... Um, it seems like it'd be a, at times a great thing for me that uh, there's been more times in the last 10 years that I've just wanted to up and move away from my home and billings just to avoid so much of the calamity that comes with my family. 
And we look at the early church and we look at this movement that is put in place and we ask this, we, we, we make this phrase, we make this statement of everyone's welcome at the table. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think everyone should be at the table sometimes because there's people who have hurt me and frustrated me and there's people who disagree with me. And I think there's people who, if we invite them to the table, they're dangerous. And I, and if I'm going to invite them to the table, I want it set in such a way that I don't have to sit by them at the table to run with that metaphor. Like maybe they can sit by someone else and wear someone else out for a while. And again, it all sounds incredibly selfish. And I realize that. But yet we look at the early church and there's this movement that is gaining momentum and people are hopping on board to be a part of it because there's some pretty interesting and neat, not exclusive, but interesting and neat ideas tucked away within it. And everyone seems to be welcome at the table. And let's take that a step further then. What if everyone is welcome at the table? How do we wrestle through different belief systems coming to the table that challenge our belief systems, different ideas that exist at the table, different races, cultures, creeds, peoples at the table that would disrupt our way of life or whatever way of life you think is right or best or good? I mean, it's as simple as going back to the conversations of, you know, conservative Republicans and liberal Democrats. Like, these people don't get along. And yet... For some reason, they're all welcome at the table. And, and I look at my family, and they're difficult people. And yet, they're supposed to be welcome at the table, and I don't know how that's done. What's interesting is I could easily point out a couple different pieces of Scripture from the New Testament that, that reinforce this idea of everyone's welcome at the table. All people, all races, all creeds, all genders, everything. Welcome at the table. And on the flip side, I could handpick a couple of verses out that, that would make the, t- the table seem like a very exclusive place, that I'm allowed to remove people from the table or kick people out of the table and, and, and you know, have people not at the table. And so here's where I think the the sacred work comes in in all of this, that we're at this place where we've seen kind of the early church grow into what it is, and we see Christianity at this place today and this unique historical lens, and I think there's some interesting questions to ask. I think there's questions to ask, like, who's already at the table? And on the flip side, who's not at the table? And who do we want at the table, and who don't we want at the table? And who do we think is worthy of the table, and who do we think is unworthy of the table and, and all of those questions, unfortunately, have to still be filtered through the, the, the idea that everyone's welcome there. And this is, where, this is where it's probably the most frustrating, is I wish I had an answer for you listening right now. I wish I had this profound answer to, to remedy the fact that everyone's welcome at the table, but when we start welcoming everyone to the table, it gets messy. It gets really messy really fast. And, and I don't know what to do. And I wonder and think and question and wrestle with the fact that it's our job to figure out how everyone gets to the table. That, that how do we make the table bigger? How do we add more chairs and more plates and more food? And how, how do we honestly make this thing called the table bigger? 
And if you call yourself a part of the CMYK community, the invitation is then for you to think through it with us. That, you know, it's really easy because I'm the guy that does some of the talking to look at me and be like, well, he's the guy with answers and I don't have an answer on this one. Because I got a family at times I don't want at the table. And so I don't have an answer for you of who's in and who's out and who's welcome, who's not, and who's worthy and who's not. I have a hard enough time keeping track of who's already at the table and who's not. But there's this, there's this invitation in sacred work then that is placed on us as a community to say everyone's welcome at the table and that gets messy and difficult and what do we do about that? How do we navigate it? How do we work through the difficulty and the frustration and the uh, convoluted nature of all people, all beliefs, all tribes, all creeds, everything welcome at the table? And this is where you're invited to be a part of that with us, that, that you have a table. <laughs> That's the weird thing. You have a table in your life. That, that you are allowed to welcome, welcome people to. That it's not just about the CMYK community, it's about you as an individual too. That you have a table. You know, I, I thought about this this week. This is really interesting for me that if you actually show up to the gatherings, it's, it's really quite fascinating. That at the gathering, it's a one hour a week gathering on Sundays. Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Sunday nights at 6 o'clock at the Art House Cinema Billings. That was the plug. Um, yeah, it was pre-recorded, don't worry about it. Um, but like we meet at... at the art house cinema on Sundays for an hour or a little more each week. And we make this phrase, everyone's welcome at the table. And yet we show up and for one hour, I can drink a coffee with you and, and we can chit chat a little bit and we can catch up on our lives. And then I get to leave and I don't have to talk to you again till next Sunday. Is that everyone being welcome at the table? And I feel like I'm calling CMYK out and that's not my that's not what I'm intending doing, but that's that's what I feel like. Is like, is that everyone welcome to the table? Or is there this really sacred work for us to leave that space and continue to invite people to our table? Because there's people I don't like and people I don't agree with who I don't want at my table. And yet the invitation is still supposed to be there for them. So now you, listener, CMYK community member, comrade, friend. You get to start asking questions about the table. Is everyone actually welcome at the table right now? Who's in, who's out, who's there, who's not, who's worthy, who's unworthy at the table? And you get to be a part of this really beautiful conversation with us that on top of being beautiful is difficult and frustrating and convoluted and probably doesn't have a lot of answers because I have no answers for you today. And that's why this can maybe feel a little hopeless. But I do it for the sake of us actually desperately trying to welcome everyone to the table. So with that, I leave you this week. A short and sweet question-filled podcast for you to then try and figure this out alongside us because I got nothing. Good luck. I really hope this is a good conversation for you and something you get to wrestle with because it's messing with my head pretty good. So with that, I leave you. I love you. Have a great week. I uh, can't wait to run into 
some of you later.